Thank you, Pastor Chris. Is that Steve Bradshaw sitting down there? Good to see you, Steve. Go back a long way, don't we, boy? Yeah. And Anne, what an amazing testimony. It's not just a testimony. Your face is different, Anne. You're a different person. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to be alive? Good to be saved. Good to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we heard last week, isn't it good to belong somewhere? For 20 years of my life, I, if I was honest, I didn't belong anywhere. But then Jesus came into my life. I let him into the room like Louise said earlier. And I belonged. And for 30 years or a bit more, I've belonged. Hallelujah. Right, let's see if I can um, switch this on. Is it on behind me? The king of all time. No. I didn't want that. I want my first slide. Can you help? Right. Anyway, good morning, everyone. Orada, good morning. You've all heard, I'm sure, of Mo Farah, or should I say Sir Mo Farah, and um, Usain Bolt. But I wonder, how many of you have heard of Elliot Kipchoge? Oh, I'm impressed, more than I thought. Even Mr. Chadwick. Excellent, okay. Um, this is, if we can show him. Oh, yeah, sorry, I'm looking at the small screen. I love those compression armbands, don't you? I, I had to Google them the other day to see what they were for. Um, Elia Kipchoge won the London Marathon this year. I'm not going to talk about running, so I'm not going where you probably think I'm going. Um, what an amazing man. Um, he's broken so many records. Um, and let's just watch a video of him finishing the London Marathon this year. It's only 30 seconds. Okay, thank you. The king of all time. The king of all thrones. Elliot Kipchoge. He will be the champion for the fourth time. Nobody has done that before. He's run quicker than anyone else before, including himself here in London. Kipchoge is the champion again. The second fastest time. Wow, if you've never won, won, if you've never run the London Marathon, I recommend it. <laughs> oh, I do. I was, I was pastor's age, you know, the founder of the church running club. I was his age when I did my first. And uh, I would have been one hour and 20 minutes behind Kipchoge, which is pretty bad. But, you know, if you look at the records for the London Marathon, when it started, was it in 81 or something? the time for the men was two hours, 11 minutes. It gradually came down to two hours, six minutes. And Kipchoge, we saw there, did it in two hours, um, two minutes and 30 seconds. The conversation used to be, do you think it's ever possible to run a marathon in two hours, to do sub two hours for a London marathon? You know, there was a lot of talk, if it were possible. Now, the, the conversation has changed. It's not is it possible? It's when is it possible? Because Kipchoge in Berlin a couple of years ago, it's, um, he actually tried to break it, and he was 26 seconds over two hours. He is an amazing man. Now, you're probably thinking, why am I telling you all about this? 
Well, as I said, nobody in history has gone nearer to breaking the magical two-hour barrier. And listen to this. For 300 days a year, he lives and trains away from his wife and his three kids at a simple training center in Cap Taggart, a tiny village in, in the um, Kenyan highlands. 300 days a year, he's away from his wife and kids. Nothing to do with the fact that he's now a multi-millionaire. He's known as the boss man by his training partners. But that doesn't stop him cleaning the toilets or doing his share of the daily chores. Another road we could go down. But this is what I want to highlight. This is what he says. I enjoy the simplistic training and life in marathon, he says. You run, you eat, you sleep. You walk around. That's how life is. And listen to this. You don't get complicated. The moment you get complicated, it distracts your mind. Don't get complicated. The moment you get complicated, it distracts your mind. Or if I could paraphrase that, the moment you get complicated, it messes with your head. Okay? It messes with your head. And that's really what I want to share this morning. Don't get complicated. Um, I'm going to bring that out by reading a passage of Scripture shortly. Don't get complicated. It distracts you. And I'm sick of being distracted. I've been distracted for much of my life. My head's been messed up for a lot of my life. But praise God, Jesus restores and he brings us through. And I can, why am I saying that? Because I can learn by my mistakes. So whether you've been on the journey a short time, the Christian journey, a short time this morning, I want to just bring three things to share with you, or whether you've been in it a long time. It was interesting that Mo Farah came fifth. Remember, we all wanted Mo Farah to win in the last marathon? Well, there was some controversy around a theft in his hotel room in Kenya, and it was all in the press. So perhaps he got distracted. The moment you get complicated, it distracts your mind. And I was thinking, you could imagine the Apostle Paul writing this verse. And I believe there's a lesson here for us all. And as I was saying, if you're like me, it's so easy to complicate our lives and distract ourselves from the purpose of what God has called us for, for showing his glory, for building his kingdom. If you're like me, I overthink. I'm terrible for overthinking. Terrible for believing lies about myself. Terrible for letting go. Terrible for focusing on the wrong things. I'm terrible for comparing myself to others. And uh, God doesn't want us to be like that because it distracts us. And for me, when I'm distracted, I just feel the Holy Spirit isn't flowing. That fresh oil isn't flowing. And I want times like that to get less and less. Hallelujah. <clears throat> right. For Kipchoge, it worked, didn't it? I mean, look what he's achieved. He's like a world champion. He's probably going to break the two, do the sub-two-hour marathon. But that was extreme avoidance. How many of you would want to be away from your wife and kids for 360 days a year? <laughs> But I bet, what, I bet he had one hell of a homecoming. Hallelujah. 
I want to read some verses to you from John chapter 8. You might think that's a strange place to go, the woman taken in adultery. I'm going to read from the NIV. If you want to follow it on your phones or your Bibles, it's John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people had gathered around him. He was a popular guy, and he sat down to teach them early in the morning at dawn. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, the religious hypocrites, were there, and they brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, in the very act. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? And they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. And as I was at Bruce Collins the other week. He, he actually went on to this. I thought, and uh, Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and said to a woman, where are they, your accusers? Has no one um, condemned you? She said, no one, sir. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Wasn't it wonderful the way that Jesus dealt with this? I always thought um, that Jesus must have wrote, written things down on the ground, like lying, etc., etc., to convict the, the scribes and Pharisees. But Bruce Collins the other week, do you remember what he said? It was a real revelation to me. He said Jesus was probably just asking for time. He was asking his father for a word of knowledge about the situation. What a complicated situation. It was clearly a setup. They were trying to catch Jesus off guard. The Pharisees were trying to trap and distract him. Can you imagine if you'd been there? It would have been, get out the mobile phone. It would, been, would have been one of those go viral milkshake moments. You know, our goal here at Gateway, whether, wherever we are, we want to build strong Christians and to build this kingdom. So my message simply today is don't get complicated or endeavor not to get complicated because we all do, don't we? Endeavor um, not to get distracted and sidetracked. Keep focused, keep pressing on and keep running the race. Right, before we go into this passage, I've got to say, it struck me a few weeks ago, and again, this Bruce Collins, was it? Brought up the same thing. Where was the man in this story? Where was he? I mean, it takes two to tango. She wasn't in bed or in the field with a cardboard cutout. But the man, what, the man was not there. And just as an aside, it still happens today, and it's appalling. It's a sad fact that a lot of men get away with murder, literally. You know, there are many countries today 
I mean, they wanted to stone this woman. There are 15 countries in which stoning is authorized as lawful punishment today. We had the case, didn't we, in Brunei recently with the gay sex and the adultery and all that hullabaloo. I mean, we were on a trek in Borneo, and um, I think we came up to the border with Brunei, but we didn't go into it. But I'm glad I didn't, because if my shorts had been too short, or if I had breathed wrongly, I dread to think what could have happened. Adultery, extramarital sex, incurs severe punishment, usually for the woman, and sometimes for the man with penalties including capital punishment, mutilation, or torture. The world hasn't changed much since Jesus' times, has it? You know, I was, I was just in, nearly in tears again last month. I was reading something about a woman who brought a case of sexual harassment in Pakistan, was it, against her headmaster of her school. Pressure was put on her um, to dismiss it, dismiss it. Well, to cut a long story short, she was burned to death. I was in tears. Hallelujah. Praise God. That... Praise God. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's move on. I want to bring three points very quickly from this passage. Now, the first one is that God doesn't keep a record of our sins. I don't know if you're like me, but I can complicate my life by remembering things I've done, remembering past failures, doing all sorts of things. And, you know, I go up to Belinda and tell her this, this, and that. And she said, oh, don't be stupid. Why are you cutting yourself up? But it's the way I'm made. I'm improving. I'm not as bad um, as I am. But, you know, I think all of us at times can complicate our lives by remembering the past, not letting it go, and it can mess up our heads. I've got an app on my phone called Strava. Who's got Strava on their phone? Is that Damien? Hiya, Damien. You're my friend. You're my buddy on it, aren't you? But I'm not in your league. Now, Strava, you can use it for walking, um, running, canoeing, goodness knows what for. But it keeps a record of everything I do. I went on a run yesterday, and it told me my time. It told me my pace. It told me my, the splits and everything like that. It tells me too much information. And if I paid a subscription, it would tell me even more. It keeps a record of all my achievements. Sometimes it makes me feel quite, quite, miser quite miserable as well as I'm getting older. But, you know, God doesn't keep a record of our sins. I had this weird thought. What ha would happen if there was a sin app that you could download from your phone? I mean, Strava, uh, Belinda's on Strava for walking. What, Strava has had over 10 million downloads. What if there was a sin app? Today you have sinned three times, etc., etc. Um I wonder how many downloads it have. I'm sure there'd be a few weirdos that would download it that would want to um, cut themselves up about it. You know, we've all done things we regret. We've all failed. We've all made wrong choices. And they can hang over you. But you know what? 
the scripture says, Psalm 130, verse 3. The psalmist David wrote, and he didn't always behave properly, did he? He said, if you, Lord, should keep a record of our sins, of our faults, of our iniquities, who could stand? None of us could stand. When I read this verse, my heart just leapt. If you, Lord, should keep a record of our sins, who could stand? But there is forgiveness, it goes on to stay with me. Uh, it's, it goes on to say, there is forgiveness with God. We've heard it in the songs we've sung this morning. I can't remember them, but they spoke so much about God setting us free from the past, free from our sins, giving us new life. Hallelujah. Who could stand? There is forgiveness. God doesn't keep a record of our sins. Look what Jesus didn't say to the woman. When everyone had left and he was alone with her, he didn't say, oh, you stupid woman, what have you been up to? I mean, she could have been in an abusive relationship or what, we don't know. But he didn't bring up her past. He, she, he said, I don't condemn you. Go and change your life. What a fantastic God we have. He doesn't keep a record of our sins. He promises us new life. If you're carrying guilt, I just want to say, if there's anyone here who really hasn't let go of the past, if you feel you're carrying guilt and you know it just hangs over you like a cloud sometimes, God wants to say to you this morning, let him deal with it. Let go of it. Listen to the word of God this morning. Let the word of God speak to you. Jeremiah 31 verse 34 says, he was, God was speaking to the, the children of Israel. They will all know me from the least to the greatest of them, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. He doesn't say I'll bring it up again and again. He says I will remember no more. Well, if God, if God don't remember it, why do we remember it sometimes? If it's good enough for God to forget it, we need to forget it. Why do we punish ourselves sometimes? We don't need to. There is freedom. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and to forgive. He is just and faithful to forgive us our sins. Three weeks later? No, it's instant. He is just and faithful to forgive us our sins as soon as we forget them. You know, sometimes it takes me a few weeks to forgive myself. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think, oh, God, why did I mess up? Why did I speak to my wife like that? Why did I do this? Why do I that? Why can't I turn the clock back? But with God, when we repent, when we turn away, um, he is faithful. We don't have to live with the guilt of the past. As we sang this morning, it's nailed to his cross. And I bet God uses strong nails, okay? Because you can't take them up again. Paul had a past, didn't he? The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest men in the Bible. He had a past. He was persecuting Christians. He was standing by, watching them being stoned to death. But look what he wrote in Philippians. I'm not there yet, folks, but I focus on this one thing. He was determined, forgetting the past, forgetting the past, and looking forward to what lies ahead. Paul learned to forget the past and focus 
on what lies ahead. And I was thinking, carrying guilt, remembering stuff from the past that God's dealt with, is like running with a weight on your back. Could you imagine Kipchoge running the London Marathon with a rucksack on his back? He wouldn't get anywhere, would he? You know, this morning we've been celebrating. It's time to celebrate and the fact that we've got a clean slate. You've got a clean slate this morning. Each one of us here have got a clean slate. The blood of Jesus has dealt with our past, has dealt with our sin. We can know that freedom. Hallelujah. And we can leave here this morning like Kipchoge on his journey home after the 300 days were over with anticipation and excitement. So God doesn't keep a record of our sins. My second point from this is we need to focus on the right things or I need to focus on the right things. I mean, now that I'm a little bit over 50, you'd think I'd know better by now. Well, if you talk to my wife, she'll tell you what I'm really like. I can be negative about myself. I can be in a church meeting and go home and compare myself to others. None of you do that, do you? Um, Whether it's church or with running and seeing how pathetic my times are, on a really bad day, I say, oh, yeah, I'm going to give up. What negative twaddle that that comes from the pit. You know, we can let our head messed up by focusing on the wrong things. And I'm learning to change my focus, to focus on the right things. When negative thoughts or whatever come, I really am learning at this late stage in life to say, what's the polite word? <laughs> I can't think. Go away. <laughs> okay, I know better than that. I'm going to stand and believe the word of God. You see, the Pharisees here, they always focused on the wrong things. They were the religious leaders of the days. It, I've just been... Reading through Matthew and Mark, I've been struck by just how horrendous, what despicable, what despicable people they were. They were foul. The sort of people that would do your head in, really, really. It says, when they saw the wonderful things that he did, Jesus healing people, were they happy? They were angry. What sort of people were they? They accused Jesus. They watched him closely to see if he healed on the Sabbath so they might bring charges against him. Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? They thought evil in the hearts of him and accused him of blasphemy. They were always trying to trap Jesus. And of course, in this situation, technically, they were correct. I mean, if you go back to the book of Leviticus, everyone's favorite book, you need to read a chapter, read a chapter every night before you go back to sleep. But if you read Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, It says, if anyone's caught in adultery, both shall be put to death. You know, not just the woman, but the man as well. Not that the religious leaders could carry it out because they were under Roman rule. But they didn't see the picture. In a sense, they were right, but they were wrong. And I just want to say, be careful what you focus on because you can be right, you can be correct, but you can still be wrong if your heart isn't right. And Jesus dealt with them beautifully. Focus on the right things. Beware of judgmental people. 
Oh, I've been in a lot of churches going back 40 years or more, and uh, I got saved very young. But, you know, you, it, one thing I cannot tolerate is or are, is are people who are judgmental. And I used to be like it. I'm sure I did as a young Christian. Very often I find that people who are judgmental, it can be a cover for not facing up to the things that are wrong in their own life. They often know their Bible. So learn to walk away. Learn to walk. If something kicks off, it's easily to get involved and have an opinion and to get distracted. It's easy, I've learned in the past. I've poked my nose in when I was in another church into a situation where I shouldn't have done, and it caused havoc. It's easy to have an opinion. It's easy to think I'm not happy with that, and it's okay. Oh, I don't agree decisions with decisions the pastor have, has made. Or the pastor comes to correct me, and I, I throw a tantrum and throws, throw my toys out of the pram because I don't like what he said. But sometimes we've got to see the bigger picture and not get distracted by what's happening in the moment. And I've also realized that when we're distracted, it can distract others. It's not just about ourselves. That's a theme that's been coming through recently. If, if I'm distracted and I'm kicking off, very often it can have a snowball effect. And before you know it, the leaders are having to put fires that are popping up all over the place. So we're distracting others. I'm learning not to go there. I'm learning to let go. I'm learning to walk away from people and situations. Kipchoge focused on what was important to him. Look what he's achieved. He's going to go down in history. Let's focus on the word of God, on what he says about us, on things that will build us up and encourage others. So God doesn't keep a record of our sins. Focus on the right things. And finally, let's become forgiving people. It says in what I read that someone had walked in on this woman. She'd made a mistake. She was caught in the act. Here she was. She was dragged out in fear of her life, expecting the most horrifying death. Can you imagine how she felt? Can you imagine what was going through her mind? She was probably thinking about her husband, her family, her kids. And whatever happened to her, the family would be tainted for the rest of their lives. She would be shunned or the family would be shunned and ostracized and pointed by society. But Jesus forgave her. He said, go and sin no more. And I was thinking it's so easy to point the finger, isn't it, at other people's when we should be pointing the finger at ourselves. It's so easy to get caught up in the crowd culture, especially with the political situation at the moment and celebrate people's downfall. But Jesus didn't point the finger. He said, go and sin no more. And then I was reminded of one of my favorite verses, Psalm 103, verse 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Don't forget all his benefits. Who forgives 
All your iniquities, all my iniquities are forgiven. And if I'm forgiven, I'm learning as well that I've got to forgive other people. That's a theme, I think, that's come through several times here in the church this year. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that have trespassed or sinned against us. And then Peter came um, to his brother, uh, to Jesus, and said, Lord, how many times do I forgive my brother who sinned against me? Because it's easy to offend another. I'm sure I offend people. You know, I walk past people sometimes, and I don't even realize uh, it's easy to offend people. And he said, 70 times 7, 490 times at least. Okay. We've got to become forgiving people. And I think this year I've been saying to myself, Lord, is there anything in my heart? Is there anyone that I need to forgive? Are there any grudges that I've been holding? I mean, I don't think I find forgiveness difficult. I've been abused. I was sexually abused once in my past. But I don't hold it against that person. It's the little things that get me. (laughs) Not recently, where I live, I was taking my son's dogs out, two wonderful whippets, Freddie and Twiggy. And uh, um, a tractor comes down the lane, and this big, grumpy farmer, not like Malcolm. You know, Malcolm's a happy farmer. This big farmer's there in this huge thing, and I try to squeeze in at the side, and he just goes like this to me. Get away, get away, get away. Gosh, did that lighter fuse in me. Boy, was I livid. I was fuming with him. And he says, go back, go back, go back. So I go back, and he goes past, and he goes like this. Well, that was a little thing. But I ran after him. <laughs> I ran after the trailer. And I come home. I got to tell Belinda all about it. And what did she say? Oh, these things always get to you, don't they? But for me, it's the little things. I was once going down a, a steep hill in Bath. If you know Bath, it's got some steep hills. 30-mile-hour limit. Somebody overtakes me at 50 miles an hour. 30 seconds later, they're in front of me at the traffic lights. What do I do? I must be stupid. (laughs) I get out. You wouldn't believe this of me, would you? You wouldn't. No. I get out of the car. (laughs) Windows wound down. And I say, I don't know what I said, but I said, you know, that was a very silly and dangerous thing to do. And they agreed. But... um, (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is, for me, we're all different. It's the little things that get me. The stupid things, things that I should let go of. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) Pray for me later, sister. But, you know, I've been saying to the Lord, search my heart, because forgiveness is so important. Sometimes I think I can skip over it. Forgiveness is so important. It, if I'm not a forgiving person, if I'm holding grudges against people, it will affect my growth. And I don't want anything in the way. Like, 
I don't want this becoming a complication in my life. I don't want it distracting me. We, I may not even realize that it's messing my head up and causing other problems in my life. How many marriages would survive if we walked out at the first offense? Let's be honest. How many would survive? If my wife had a pound for every time I've asked her for forgiveness or I've behaved inappropriate or something, she'd be a very rich woman by now, I'm sure. Of course, if it was the other way around, she'd be very poor. Or I'd be very poor because she's, she's perfect. But I just feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to me this year, Haiti, Haiti babes, you need, you need to let, learn to let go. And it's not easy sometimes, is it, when we feel we're in the right and we're in the wrong. I need to let go. We need to become forgiving people. So in conclusion, stuck to my 30 minutes, don't say good pastor. He doesn't keep a record of our sins. Doesn't that bring freedom? He doesn't keep a record of our sins. I'm free. What, what needs to hold me back? I can, I can take the weight off my back. I can take the rucksack, rucksack off my back. I need to focus on the right things. Focusing on the wrong things will distract me. And I need to become a forgiving person. You know, I was thinking about this woman. God didn't, Jesus didn't just deal with her past. He dealt with her past forgave her. He dealt with her presence. He was there for her at her point of need. And he gave her a future because he said, go and lead a new life. Sin no more. Thank God that he's got the whole picture. Like Kipchoge, the moment you get complicated, it messes with your head. I want to try more to leave an uncomplicated life and let in anything that go that would stop me from pressing on. That's what Paul did, didn't he? Forgetting the things that are behind, I press on for the mark, um, for his call. You know, we have a responsibility, I believe, to take control of our destiny. And when we become uncomplicated, like Kipchoge, I think dreams are possible. You can dream the impossible and achieve it. Amen.